Welcome to another edition of Focus on the Kingdom. This is Anthony Buzzard inviting you again to search the Scriptures with us as we continue to investigate Jesus' favorite topic, the Gospel about the Kingdom of God. I wonder if you've realized the absolute value attached in Scripture to wisdom and understanding, a knowledge of God's plan. Do you realize how absolutely essential it is for us to grasp what God is doing by way of his grand scheme in world history? God is working on Operation Kingdom, a plan to restore the kingdom of God and peace on earth when Jesus returns to rule in the kingdom. Christianity is an invitation to be part of that kingdom. Fear not, little flock, Jesus said to the apostles, and he says it indirectly to us also, it's your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Blessed are the meek, they're going to have the earth as their inheritance. The kingdom of God will be on the earth, and Christians are invited to rule on the earth with Christ in that future kingdom. Revelation 5, verse 10. We have a book on the kingdom of God which we'd like to offer you for your personal Bible study. You can request it from us at the telephone number to be given at the end of this program. But today I'd like to concentrate on the supreme value to be found in God's words of wisdom, the inspired mind of God as revealed in the pages of the Holy Scriptures. The Bible is God's love letter to the human race. The Bible is God communicating. It's His Spirit unveiling the truths and the secrets and the mysteries of His plan. That's why the Bible is so essential for all of us as we make our way through the journey of life, it would seem foolish to reject the inspired information which God has provided for us. But many seem to be too busy doing other things to pay any attention to God's love letter to us, His inspired revelation, the revealing of His heart to us. In Psalm 33, in verse 11, we read this about God's plans and purposes for the world. The psalmist said, The counsel of the Lord stands forever, the plans of his heart from generation to generation. God has an inner life which he now reveals to us in the pages of Scripture. The plans of God's heart stand forever and ever. Those plans are revealed from God by his Spirit. The Spirit of God is God's mind projected to us, God's mind unveiled to us, opened to us, Listen to the words of Proverbs chapter 1 and verse 20 and onwards. Wisdom shouts in the street. She lifts up her voice in the square. At the head of the noisy street she cries out. At the entrance of the gates in the city she utters her sayings. How long, O naive ones, will you love simplicity? And scoffers delight themselves in scoffing. And fools hate knowledge. Turn at my reproof. Behold, I will pour out my spirit on you. I will make my words known to you. Do you see there that the pouring out of the Spirit is equivalent to having the words of wisdom made known to us? Many people today are looking for the Holy Spirit in all the wrong places. You won't get the Holy Spirit by being pushed unconscious. You won't get the Holy Spirit by being zapped by some extraordinary power. The event at the day of Pentecost when the apostles had tongues of fire emerging from their heads was not a repeatable event. The day of Pentecost was a celebration of the arrival of Jesus Christ at the right hand of the Father, and the outpouring of the Spirit marked that great event. 
That event is not repeatable. Jesus does not take his seat at the right hand of the Father ever again. He's done that, and he will remain there until he returns to this earth to rule in the kingdom. And so the extraordinary events of the book of Acts were not intended to be repeated day by day in the Christian experience. When did you hear of a man being lifted off the earth physically and put down in another place? Are we lacking in faith because we take an aeroplane to travel from one city to another? It's absurd to think that God has to act exactly in the same manner as he did in the book of Acts. The extraordinary healings in the book of Acts were demonstrable miracles. The attempts at healing today by way of miracle are so much less convincing. That's not, of course, to say that God cannot do a miracle and does on occasion do miracles, but we cannot claim those apostolic powers, and the attempts to mimic them are often a sad failure. The point is that the Spirit resides in the wisdom of God. The plans of God's heart are His Spirit, and that Spirit is God communicating to us. The Spirit of God is God in communication, God in conversation with us. The Gospel of John states that Jesus had the Spirit without measure, an abundance of the Spirit of God. And in the very same context we read that Jesus was able to speak the words of God precisely because the Spirit of God was fully in him. David said that the Spirit of the Lord had spoken by him. God's word was in his mouth. Do you see that the Spirit of God drives the words of God in the mouth of a faithful, obedient Christian? The Spirit is the power behind the words. The Spirit communicates the very mind and heart and thoughts and life of God to us. My Spirit, the Lord said through Isaiah, My Spirit which is upon you, and my words which I have put in your mouth, will not depart from your mouth. The Spirit, you see, is the equivalent of the words of God, the wisdom of God. That's the Spirit we should be seeking. And that's the Spirit that is found within the pages of the Bible, the sacred scriptures. Listen to the words of Paul in 2 Timothy 3, verse 15. You, Timothy, from childhood have known the sacred writings which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation. Through faith, which is in Messiah Jesus, all Scripture is inspired by God, or as we might say, inspirited by God. Do you see the connection there between the wisdom that resides in Scripture and the Spirit that inspires Scripture? The Spirit of God is nothing else than the mind of God, the heart of God, the thoughts of God, and the purposes of God communicated to us, but we must use our intelligence, our spirit, our mind, to grapple with those ideas which come from the very heart of God. We must learn God's heart by daily exposure to the Scriptures, by meditation, by study, by investigation. In this way we will develop the character and the understanding and the very heart and spirit of God Himself. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and verse 7, Paul said, We apostles speak God's wisdom in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God predestined before the ages for our glory, the wisdom which none of the rulers of this age have understood, for if they'd understood it, they wouldn't have crucified the Lord of glory. And then in verse 9 he says, But just as it's written, Things which eye has not seen and ear has not heard, and which have not entered into the heart of man, all that God has prepared for those who love him. For to us God revealed these things through the Spirit, because the Spirit searches all things, 
even the depths of God. And then Paul gives us in verse 11 of 1 Corinthians 2, one of the most wonderful explanations of the meaning of the Spirit of God in the Bible. For who among men, Paul says, knows the thoughts of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, the thoughts of God no one knows except the Spirit of God. Now, we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is from God, so that we might know the things freely given to us by God, which things we also speak, not in words taught by man's wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit. We preach, Paul said, in words taught by the Spirit, informed, that is, by the mind and the heart and the purpose of God. And we combine spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. But a natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God. That's to say, the natural man will not accept the words of wisdom which proceed from the Spirit of God. They are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually appraised. But he who is spiritual, that's to say, he who has attuned his mind to the mind of God, appraises all things, yet he himself is appraised by no man. For who has known the mind of the Lord? Paul said in verse 16 of 1 Corinthians 2, Who has known the mind of the Lord, that he should instruct him? But we, Christians, Paul says, have the mind of Christ. We have the mind of God because the mind of Christ is a reflection of the mind of God himself. We Christians, in having the Spirit of God, are said to have the mind of God. When Paul quoted that verse from Isaiah about knowing the mind of the Lord, he was referring to the verse in Isaiah 40 and verse 13. Let me read that one to you now. Who has directed the Spirit of the Lord, or as his counselor has informed him? You see that the word spirit is equivalent to the word mind in Paul's version of that verse. Who has directed the Spirit of God, says Isaiah? Who has directed the mind of God, says Paul? The Spirit of God is nothing other than the mind of God, and it's the communication of divine wisdom and spirit which we find in the pages of the Bible. Didn't Jesus say that the words that he spoke were spirit and were life? John 6:63. The words that I speak to you are spirit and are life. And just a few verses later, we find Simon Peter exclaiming, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of the life of the coming age, the words of the kingdom, the words of life, the words of the Spirit, those energizing words which create in us wisdom and understanding and which reveal to us God's great purposes for the future. Do you realize that the great creator of heaven and earth, the one God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, the God of Israel and the God of Jesus has graciously given us information, knowledge and understanding of his great plans and purposes for this world, for human history. The Bible is the most precious document that we possess. It would be sheer folly to neglect it. We ought to be like the Bereans in Acts 17 and verse 11. Of those people, Luke wrote, they were more noble-minded than the people in Thessalonica, because they received the word with great eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see whether these things were true. You see, it was the personal daily investigating of the scriptures 
which made these people in Berea such successful Christians, it was their hungering and thirsting after the wisdom and understanding which God provides through His Spirit in the words of Scripture. If you're feeling a lack of energy and strength, a lack of courage as a Christian, then I advise you to be deeply involved in the study of the Word. You see, the words of God are not simply just printed dots on a page. They carry the very energy in the life of God Himself. The Word of God is a vital energy in the life of the Christian. Listen to the words of Isaiah chapter 55 and verse 10. As the rain comes down and the snow from heaven, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It will not return to me void, but it will accomplish what I please. The word you see is an active power emanating from God and creating within us wisdom, character, strength, faith. The vital energy of the word of God is what we seek from the Bible. Wisdom and knowledge and understanding are to be valued, says the book of Proverbs, far in excess of any monetary gain that one might achieve in this life. Many people are spending a great deal of energy on trying to make more dollars, but are they investing their time and their energy in what really counts and what will really last forever? There's no business that's going to survive other than the kingdom of God and Jesus' rule on this earth, his new government to be set up at his return in the future. We invite you to be checking our findings carefully in the Bible, request from us our free book on the kingdom, the booklet What Happens When We Die, and another booklet entitled Who is Jesus? Meanwhile, join us again for our continued discussion of Jesus' favorite topic, the gospel about the kingdom of God.